1: good evening, and uh, welcome to the Jimbo Hannon Show from Westwood One Radio. We're at one 50 Jimbo, one 505-4626. Online, find us at jimbohannonshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jimbo Talks. And uh, let's start things uh, rolling tonight with a report from uh, Ed Donahue, where House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has unveiled the House Republican Midterm Agenda, and uh, we have a response from President Biden as well. And uh, we thought we would uh, start out with that as a uh, topic tonight. What do you think of this uh, this uh, commitment to America? Uh, very reminiscent of uh, the Contract with America of uh, some uh, 28 years ago, uh, although uh, better and more detailed in the view of the author of the Contract with America— Says that Kevin McCarthy this time has done a more uh, a more thorough job than they did back in 1994, or is it just uh, uh, lacking in specific? Seemed pretty specific uh, to me in a number of areas, but uh, suffice it to say, it is a a compilation, if you will, a listing of the various uh, areas of concern that many have expressed, many uh, who uh, call into this program have expressed. 186650 Jimbo 18665054626 and we'd like uh, your thoughts about the whole notion of uh, nationalizing something that has in uh, I suppose more often than not uh, has been uh, local in in some respects although certainly the uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate deals with national issues and uh, national perspectives and national laws But, of course, your individual member of Congress or your senator to a lesser extent is uh, somebody who represents you in particular. And uh, people often uh, express their desire for representation in public office based on, uh, well, whether they like somebody or not. They don't really know them in almost every case, but uh, whether they feel that they like them. One eight six six five O Jimbo one eight six six five O five, four six two six, is our number. I think it's a good idea. Uh, again, uh, if you are running for Congress, you are running to cover national issues, and the issues certainly that have been expressed in this com- commitment to America. The uh, uh, issues are. Uh, the common issues that, that we all have been facing uh, inflation, uh, problems affecting the Southern border. And if you uh, look around, it wouldn't take uh, many of us, uh, too long to find, uh, the local, uh, impact of the poorest Southern border, maybe a fentanyl death or something of that nature. But, uh, the impact is beginning to be felt all across the country. And, uh, Certainly crime in the streets has uh, become an issue uh, coast to coast in this country. I think it makes it uh, easier for the Republican message to be conveyed. And uh, I think it's a good idea. And I think, quite frankly, that uh, most of the the, uh, responses from the Democrats have not uh, been uh, terribly on target, especially in view of the fact that they have uh, had control of things now. The House, the Senate, the White House... Uh, much of the uh, the bureaucracy has always leaned in their direction, and uh, I think it's a good thing. And I'd love your thoughts at one eight six six five zero Jimbo one eight six six five zero five four six two six, as uh, we listen to Robert in Charleston, South Carolina.
0: Good evening, Jim. Your question was, um, you know, things are getting high in price. Question is, can we afford it? And the answer is, yes, you can. Well, that depends on what it
1: is. If it's something you have to have, uh, you find a way to afford it. If it comes down to a question of whether you're going to uh, uh, pay the rent or uh, buy granny her meds, uh, that's a pretty harsh choice to make.
0: There are a few things that you have to buy, but there are very, very few. There are a lot of things that you can... C- come by creatively, and there are a lot of things you can come by by trading. You can produce one thing. Maybe you have apples in your yard. Your neighbor has peaches in her yard, and you trade. And, well, and, and, and,
1: and how many apples or peaches do you have in your yard and and your neighbor? Uh, which uh, how how many crops are you growing and uh, and uh, your neighbors? How many are they growing?
0: Do you know in Japan that they? they oh, that was a question,
1: actually. I was uh, hoping for an answer, Robert.
0: Yes 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 of course of course yes I had a garden I've always I've almost always had a garden
1: Uh-huh All right do you uh, do you raise gasoline in your garden let's say you have a job that's 30 miles away and it's the only job you have currently and uh, you have to get there and there's no mass transit where you live Uh can you grow gasoline
0: I have a high performance Italian bicycle and and 20, uh, 30 miles. miles. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, yes,
1: sir. I, I, I can... Let's say that you're uh, you're 55 years old and you're not in the best shape. You're going to bicycle 30
0: miles to work. Let's say I'm 70 and I have no problem with
1: that. Well, I'm glad to hear that, that, that you're in such great shape, Robert. But many people would have a problem with that. And the simple fact is that for many people, they're getting by on necessities. Uh, food, uh, things, uh, school supplies for their children, uh, this sort of thing. For many people, this is a problem, and the idea that uh, there are very few necessities out there. Food is a necessity, all right. Uh, transportation to and from your place of employment is a necessity. So, uh, with all due respect, I'm I'm thrilled that you're in such great shape, but uh, many people I think you would find are not. One eight six six five zero Jimbo. One eight six six five zero five four six two six back on the Jimbo Hannon show in just a moment. Welcome back to the Jimbo Hannon show at 186650 Jimbo, 18665054626. If we talk about this commitment to America, which uh, strikes me as uh, a fine idea. I'm glad that the uh, Republicans are doing this. Uh, In fact, I'm somewhat surprised that Democrats have not done anything similar since most of what Congress does has to do with national issues. I mean, uh, Congress doesn't deal with uh, a a tax levy or a zoning argument in your local community. So, uh, anyway, Josh in Birdsboro, Pennsylvania. Good evening.
2: Good evening there Jimbo.
1: And what's on your mind tonight Josh?
2: Well, I just wanted to call I um heard your previous caller he said he's 70 years old and he Well exercises. no,
1: he said it, he we were we were dealing in hypotheticals and I was pointing out to him that there are many things that are are in fact uh uh, necessities. And uh, I was giving a hypothetical example of an older person with a job 30 miles away. Are you really going to bicycle uh, to that uh, distance? And uh, speaking hypothetically, he indicated he would, and I indicated that I was very happy for his the state of physical fitness.
2: Well, and that's why I'm calling. I think exercise is so important. Yes, it is. Um,
1: However, there are many people who really literally are not physically capable of bicycling uh to their point of employment.
2: No, and I understand that completely. Okay. But uh exercise exercise you can do, you don't have you know, uh you don't have to uh do a whole heck of a lot, but you can certainly get out there and uh listen to the birds. Yes, uh, you you certainly,
1: you certainly can do that, Josh. Of course, we haven't really been talking about exercise per se, but uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I was uh, speaking more in terms of uh, getting to and from your place of employment. So you can afford to buy even what uh, food or uh, other necessities that, uh, that you can, but absolutely. Uh, Here's let's put it a good word for exercise, Josh. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm not communicating well. One eight six six five O Jimbo Sharon in Crane, Missouri. Hello, Sharon.
3: Hello, Jim. You are communicating just fine.
1: Okay.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh,
3: this all comes down to the fact that if our government was spending the money that they are getting from the citizens of the United States if they were spending it in a wise manner, then we would not be having this discussion. If our economy was in better shape, we would not be having this discussion. If we were not using, or if we were using the resources that we have in this country, we would not be having this discussion. That all comes down to mismanagement, malfeasance and misfeasance. And if people don't know what that, what those words are, the dictionary will tell them, this is criminal, what is being done to this country On a grand scale, it is infecting everything in our country, from our military on down to our schools. We will lose this country. If we do not get our heads out of the proverbial dark place, start using some common sense and get ourselves back on track. We either love this country and want to take care of it and protect it, or we want to just throw it away like we do with plastic water bottles when we get to drinking water. That's all I got to say, Jim. Well,
1: points well taken, uh, Sharon. For those who uh, don't, by the way, uh, misfeasance is the act of engaging in some uh, duty but not doing it correctly. Uh, malfeasance is the willful and intentional act of doing harm. And I must confess, there are times when I'm not sure exactly which, if both, may not apply to this administration. Uh, Timmy in Terre Haute, Indiana. Good evening.
4: Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. But the, Tonight must be tree hugger night or something. We've got all these people walk, walking to work, riding their bikes to work, listening to the birds. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. At any rate, I, 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 Biden and the Democrat. I don't think it's just Biden because he hasn't got the brains to do anything. But I, you know, whoever's backing him or, or telling him what to say and do, you know, they've got this country so screwed up. It's not even funny. I mean, people people can't afford. You know, you either do you either get gas or do without groceries. I don't know how many people I know that that, that have to do that. I mean, it's just and the groceries have gone through the roof. You know, gasoline, medication, you know, and and, then lumber and, and, you know, you go to the hardware store to Menard's or Lowell's or somewhere. Everything is just, you know, it's I don't know how we can continue on like this. It's just it's unreal.
1: Well, we can we can make a good start uh, with uh, a vote uh, in November or uh, depending on your state early voting, if that uh, if that is uh, something that uh, you uh, wish to do. But that would be a step in the right direction. Uh, There are not that many things left for uh, uh, President Biden to do strictly by executive order. Without uh, both houses of Congress, a lot of what he wants to do uh, simply comes unglued. Now, repealing that will require a new president, and uh, much of what has already been done is not going to be repealed unless we, uh, in fact, uh, make it through to uh, uh, November of 2024. But uh, uh, yes, things are not uh, not going well, Timmy. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, Boylan in Raleigh, North Carolina. Good
5: evening. Good evening, Jim.
6: Yes, hey, what's on Jim. your
5: mind? My mind, my uh, head was was thinking about the low gravity. You remember
1: about about what? I'm sorry
5: the law of gravity
1: oh the law of gravity Uh, well (laughs) okay what about the law of gravity which by the way is uh, not subject to a presidential veto as far as i know but what about the law of gravity boylan
5: everything will go up must come down
1: uh well if we are using that as a metaphor for the ills of the nation. Uh, not necessarily true unless we make a change in leadership. No, what goes up could keep on going up. But uh, in any event, that's the closest uh, stretch I can make to uh, uh, the law of gravity in this particular conversation. John in Akron, Ohio, good evening.
4: Jim, how are you? Tonight?
1: I'm fine, sometimes confused, but mostly fine.
4: <laughs> well, we're all
7: confused right now. I so. I suppose. Um, I- I would like to ask your opinion about something. Now, I know that not every seat in, in our Congress has a uh, bad person in it, per se. Um, no, absolutely not. That. Yeah, okay. but but do you agree with this? The only way to do the only way to eradicate this is just to scratch everything and start fresh. I mean, well, I not would, necessarily.
1: I, I mean, let, let's keep in mind uh, if you've got a member of Congress that you like, since that's the only member of Congress you get to vote for then uh, yeah. keep that, that member. See, the problem most of us have is not so much with our member of Congress. It's all the uh, idiots that uh, other people in other districts are electing, and we have no say-so about who they elect. Are you still there, John? Oh, he dropped. Okay. Uh, no, I, I don't think that you have to quote clean house. For one thing, you can't clean house. You can't just simply go into the polls this November and throw out all of Congress. no. You can throw out your member of Congress if your member of Congress deserves to be thrown out I, I haven't like uh, my member of Congress, John, but I wish I could I wish I could get rid of some of the others, but that's not the way it works. John in Burlington, Vermont. Good evening
4: Good evening, Jim. I
8: have a comment about the commitment to America, but I have a question for you first uh, yeah you would agree you would agree that the country is pretty much fifty fifty on most issues.
1: Uh, not necessarily. Uh, recent surveys have indicated uh, uh, that we're—overall, we're I guess you could say we're 50-50, but, uh, but on, on many issues, it we're two to one uh, in one direction
8: or the other. So I the other. question. Why yeah. does a program like yours have about 95% of your callers are Republican? I, have a I guess they like. like I guess they you, like
1: the show, but we uh, but we also take calls from others as well.
8: But uh, you know, your astute listeners will notice that when you have a Republican on, you will have a pleasant, long, pleasant conversation. that break. Uh, well, that's
1: because I YouTube. tend to agree with those people. Do you have a problem with the opinion uh, talk shows? If if so, I I must say very honestly that you're probably listening to the wrong thing. That's what this is. This is a program about opinions. I happen to have them, as do my callers. But that doesn't mean that if somebody has an opposing opinion, I won't talk with them. And in fact, I do. Anyway, uh, to get back to the original uh, topic that we were talking about, I think the commitment to America is uh, a good idea. And uh, again, I'm surprised it hasn't been done more often by uh, both major parties. Back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Jimbo Hannon Show at one eight six six five O Jimbo, one eight six six five O five four six two six and, uh the Dow Jones Industrial Average hit its uh, 2022 low this past day, as uh, financial markets sold off on fears of recession. Correspondent Mike Grazia has the numbers. One eight six six five zero Jimbo one eight six six five zero five four six two six, and uh, there are lots of ways in which uh, the pinch is being felt. Stock market investors are feeling the pinch. I'm curious as to how uh, you, in your life, are feeling the pinch. Have you had to make some harsh economic choices? One eight six six five zero Jimbo one eight six six five zero five four six two six. And of course, we'll also entertain thoughts about this uh, commitment to America that uh, Republican leaders are putting forward for the uh, House Republican midterm agenda. Uh, Matt calls in from Eastern North Carolina. Good evening.
9: Hello, Jim. Nice to talk to you again.
1: Yes, indeed.
9: Um, your first call was very entertaining to me about riding 30 miles to work yes. on a bicycle.
1: Yes, it it's was. It, uh, yes, but it, it certainly beautiful. was. Uh, I guess that, that his point was uh, that, well, actually, I take that back. Uh, I'm not sure what his point was, but anyway, continue. <laughs> okay, here's a good one, Jim. Here's a good one.
9: We all know Biden, the Biden administration is destroying this country. And I I agree with the Republican report for America, whatever you call it. That would be
1: good. Are we losing that call? I guess we did. Matt, I'm not sure what the problem was. Uh, If you were on a cell phone or moving around the room or something, uh, you want to try that again? Yes, yes. I would agree with you that uh, many policies of the Biden administration have, in fact, uh, been uh, harmful to the country. Are you still there, or did we lose you entirely?
9: Can you hear me now, Jim?
1: Yes, that's much better, Matt. Please continue.
9: Uh, uh, I'm sorry. It's a phone company. Anyway, the problem with the Biden administration is, as I heard you say earlier, they want to destroy this country. I don't know why Biden would do that with the the country that— made him a multi-millionaire.
1: Well, I don't know that that, that Joe is a multi-millionaire, but uh, uh, you do have to wonder uh, why he would pursue policies that are are so harmful to so many of his uh, constituents nationwide. I mean, that that part does uh, confuse me. Why anybody would be happy with the notion of crime in the streets? Why anybody uh, would be uh, happy with the rampant inflation. Well, I can understand the the motivation behind the rampant inflation. Uh, The uh, Democratic Party views regarding uh, the economy are essentially that uh, spend, 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 and spend some more are the way to progress and prosperity. And if we run across a little inflation along the way, well, that's a small price to pay. So uh, that's uh, part of that explanation. In terms of the southern border, there are those who do have the agenda of wanting all kinds of people here legally or not. And, uh, again, if it uh, violates the law, well, that, too, is a small price to pay. Uh, but the, the, a lot of the motivations here have to do with the agenda, the political agenda of the uh, of the Democratic Party, uh, Matt. And, uh, uh, well, for example, uh, nobody in the Democratic Party wants your kid to die from a fentanyl overdose. But if that's the cost of bringing in people into this country in massive numbers, well, that's a small price to pay. Your kid will just have to die. Now, that, That's my view. Anyway, are you still there, Matt? Yes, sir. Okay. I mean, again, they, 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 they prioritize. They find certain things more important than others. And getting many people into this country who uh, legally or otherwise can wind up voting are worth it to them and a few dead americans because of a drug overdose or getting killed by gangs or what have you again that's that's worth it to them
9: well you know you're the greatest you you are the greatest host on radio
1: well i wouldn't uh, certainly go that far but we uh, we do manage to keep uh, three hours a night uh, reasonably well occupied i suppose and i thank you sir for your listenership and your call, Steve in Atlanta. Good evening, Mr.
2: Bohannon. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. I respect
2: you. you, and I love you. Thank you. Um, you got it. Um, I, I so uh, that that caller before the break, he said that that you're really nice with conservative uh, callers or guests,
1: yeah.
2: and you, you you express yourself, I guess, to his dislike. Um, when when uh, when when you have a, a a leftist on with with opinions that you don't necessarily agree with,
1: I let I them guess. know it's an opinion program. I mean, you know, I'm not going just simply sit here. Okay, the socialization of America. Okay, the uh, teaching of uh, nonsense to our kids sounds good to me. No, I'm not going to say that.
2: <laughs> you know what I love about your show is that you actually have a lot of leftists on your show you know like yeah you you have a lot of leftists on your show and a lot of other you know uh so why would he complain about that i mean if he listened to other shows he would know that you yeah that
1: that was one thing that i meant to get to actually but the break i guess kind of intervened and that is has he never heard talk radio before i mean compared with most programs on, on talk radio uh, left or right, uh, we're we're wide open to, to whom we speak with. I mean, most shows just don't even bother with with other viewpoints. So I mean, yeah, I, I confess, I'm not quite uh, sure if if he had just uh, happened upon talk radio for the first time in his life and didn't quite understand how it works. I really don't know.
2: It, it, so so the uh, phrase you were looking for is actually collateral damage. The Democrats think yeah. that you know, it's called collateral damage. That would have been a better way to explain it to that person. Uh, The thing that gets me upset about you, and it pisses me off so many times that you, that, um, I love you. Okay. Get, don't get me wrong. Uh, I've
1: got it. I've got it. I'm expecting the Valentine. Okay. Go ahead, Steve. What is it that you don't like about me?
2: Me off about you is, is that uh, you, you you know you're you're in your older age and 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 you
1: know, <laughs> me and Joe Biden sitting in the home okay what 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 is it about me that you don't care for
2: that a lot of the other podcasts and other radio shows actually do they have a team behind them that does and and it keeps him abreast of all the and they're really on it you know they have teams you know and they they really want to break with breaking stories and do research and and investigate journalism and stuff like that and bring stuff well, out. Well, we're
1: a low-budget program, Steve. What can I tell you?
2: Yeah, and that's all cool. That's all good. But you, could, you, but you could spend a little time during the day just to search, you know, the Internet and maybe listen to other podcasts. Well, actually,
1: so you know something, Steve? I actually do that. I really actually do. But we'll try to do better just for you. Todd in Climax Springs, Missouri. Good evening. Jimbo,
10: God love you brother. It's all good. Thank to hear you. you, thank you <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Thank I'm uh, you, I'm God. glad I'm glad to hear that. Uh, thank you very much, Todd. What's on your mind?
10: Uh Balkanization. Jim, I'm calling, you know, I understand the game, the talk radio show game. And so I'm just going to ask you about what do you think about balkanizing these uh, formerly great United States? And if you don't mind, I'll I'll either stay on or I'll hang on. Oh,
1: please feel free to stay on by balkanizing. What do you mean, separating it out?
10: Yeah, I mean like given L.A. and San Francisco to. Okay, Texas, Let, let's know, look at
1: that. Before. Let's look at that. Now, back in the 1850s, when it was pretty clear that the country was heading toward a uh, a a serious uh, <laughs> break in uh, in consensus. Okay. Uh, the issue of slavery was not going away. Anybody could look at a map and they could pretty much tell if, in fact, we came to that, we could tell where the line was going to be. Roughly it was going to be uh, the Ohio River South would be uh, uh, the southern uh, uh, pro-slavery area. And it, it uh, of course, didn't include uh, uh, Kentucky or a few other places, but uh, roughly that was uh, the, the, the demarcation point. And then over to the Mississippi and, uh, and South, uh, not including, of course, Texas and Arkansas. But you would look at a map and you can figure out if this country breaks up, how do you make a country out of, uh, say, 50 or 75 metropolitan areas? I mean, how do you make a country out of uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco and Portland and Seattle and uh, and so on and so forth. Denver and, 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 and this sort of thing. There is no, no way to balkanize it.
10: Permission to speak freely, sir?
1: Well, you have uh, all the permission in the world. I'm really pointing out a problem with balkanization, a practical problem. How do you make a nation uh, out of uh, all of those uh, separate metropolitan areas? We are divided geographically these days by metro area, not by... Uh, uh, whether you're in the southeastern part of the country or not,
10: I say tough love. I say it's tough love, bro. I really do. I mean that. I think it's time for us to realize that there's how many counties voted Republican. I mean, how many counties were red in the country? And well, many, uh, an
1: awful counted? lot, but of course they tend to be very small counties. So, I mean, you know, in terms of population, so
10: completely agreed. That's thank goodness for the uh, electoral college. Well, well my point is this, Jim. I, I think largely we don't want to fight. I think mostly we don't want to fight. And I think guys like you on the radio know that. You, 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 you're, you're binders. You're bringers togethers. You're, 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 well, I mean, you're I think conforming. that
1: this country only exists if it, in fact, is together, quite honestly. I don't see any, any way by which it can be split up. We're overdue for a break. We'll take that break and be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Jimbo Hannon Show at one eight six six five zero Jimbo, one eight six six five zero five four six two six. As we look at the direction the country is heading in, and uh, what we can do about it, namely vote. Patel in Elizabeth, New Jersey, calls in. Good evening.
5: Yes, sir. Okay, uh, I am Indian American. I come to America twenty-two years ago and I am main business and making small business growing growing and i am i own house now i purchase house uh-huh. and i want to sell it. i have house 12 years i want to sell it so uh-huh. i go to agent agent tell me no sir mr patel not happening i said why is it not happening he said oh here is problem the government want to raise interest i said so what what, what happens to me he says, well, if the interest go up, the bank for mortgage want higher, higher credit scores. they wanting higher credit scores. And I said, so that's not a problem. He said, these people don't have the money to clean up debt. This is why, this is a the problem. They cannot afford to get mortgage. The bank says, no, I can't clean my debt. So, I'm...
1: so there's, there's nobody out there who can afford to buy your house? Is that uh, what your agent told you?
5: Well he said to me, look, right now to find people with maybe almost half a million dollars. It's three family beautiful home. He says not happening. People not spending so quick. Now they are afraid for their life. This this country is it's very disappointing. Very I am shocked. because I've not seen anything like this. Horrible, horrible.
1: Well it is uh it's certainly a, a a difficult time right now. And the, the, the tricky part of raising interest rates is that if you raise them the right amount at the right uh, intervals of time, you may, in fact, slow down inflation. If you do it too quickly, you will send the economy into a recession. And this is a very tricky thing to do. It's, it's sort of like performing a surgery blindfolded. It's not easy to do. And uh, I suspect that uh, the powers that be, if they could speak with you, Patel, would say that we're very sorry about uh, your situation with your house, but uh, we have to work for the greater good. And their argument would be that the greater good would be to curb inflation. Now, that's, that would be their point of view. I, mean, I know you sitting there with the, the house you're trying to sell, that doesn't answer answer your problem. But that's what, they would, uh, that's what they would say. And I can only, only wish you the best, but I don't see interest rates coming down for some time, I'm sorry to say. Back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Jimbo Hannon Show at one eight six six five zero Jimbo, one eight six six five zero five four six two six. We're looking at uh, some of the problems that we're facing in this country right now, and various approaches to try to make things better. Brad in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Good evening.
9: Hey Jimbo, I was just wondering that uh, could it be that the mayors and the people that run the the the, the cities. Are really letting the cities go in the democratic cities, so that the people will flee and go to to red states and turn them blue? Uh,
1: no, no, they. Uh, I don't think so, really. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what their motivations are. Obviously, if you allow a crime to run rampant, uh, businesses are going to close. Uh, with those businesses closed, uh, there are jobs that disappear. So, uh, no, that they they. <laughs> they uh, i'm not sure what what the what the motivation is for anybody to want crime in the streets what the motivation is uh for anybody uh to want their cities to shrink i must confess the motivations of the people who run our our big cities and in particular the voters i mean if if you have an agenda and you truly believe that police brutality is the key problem in, in the country today blah 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 uh then OK, but I mean, the people who are victims of crime, the people who are getting beaten up and assaulted, uh, they they should be voting. They keep voting the same way. If you don't like being victimized by crime, have you considered voting for somebody else? I mean, if I could reach these people, I would. But uh, <laughs> that that's the key thing. I don't understand. It's the voters, because there are many in charge of our big cities who are convinced that Racism, racism everywhere. This is the big problem. And if we only allow every uh, two bit uh, crook with uh, a darker skin to do whatever they want, everything will be fine. Uh, that, that's idiotic, but uh, because the victims are, are people of color, too. Sean in New York City, good evening.
2: Good evening. Uh, I want to be like you when I get older.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough, Sean. I, I pronounce you senile, just like me. Go ahead.
11: Uh, yeah, on a more serious note, I'm curious why 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 don't we hear much about these our public schools' math and proficiency rates, math and reading proficiency rates?
1: Um, well, they are they have dropped. They have dropped, and, and there was a major hit, of course, that was taken uh, when the classrooms shut down. Uh, A lot of students didn't learn nearly as well at home as uh, uh, students did in the classroom. And the ones who fell behind the most were the ones who were already far behind, who didn't have good places to study, who didn't have good studying habits. Uh, A lot of uh, of people in this country have, uh, have fallen through the cracks and may never come out. John in Stockton, California, good evening.
9: Oh, good evening, Jim. I wonder if uh, anything can be done to
6: evaluate the Electoral College of 2020, because I was looking at the uh, the electoral votes, and it seemed to me that
9: Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia definitely went to Trump, and that would have put the uh, race into a 269 to 269 tie. Because they gave one vote to Biden
6: in Nebraska for some reason due to...
1: That's because Nebraska and Maine allow a state's electoral votes to be split. You get one electoral vote if you carry a congressional district in that state, and you get two if you carry the state overall. Uh, States have that option. Only Nebraska and Maine have uh, have chosen to, Uh, assuming, of course, that you could, in fact... uh, uh, verify that uh, that was, in fact, the uh, the outcome. That'll wrap up this portion of the Jim Bohannon Show. Stay with us for more to come here. Uh, yours truly, Jim Bohannon, and uh, we do uh, come to you weeknights right here at Westwood One.
10: Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennick. When so Obliterated's
7: like, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I had the best time. That's it was great. challenging, but it was like the show. That doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're this not. This was a it's dream. It's no fun. Genuinely. That's and if it beautiful. wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Yeah, like, it like, was. Hey, it was fine. Because yes. I've
10: done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.
1: Hi there, and good evening, and welcome to the Jimbo Bohannon Show from Westwood One Radio. We're at one eight six six five zero 50 Jimbo, 1 866 505 4626. Online, find us at jimbohannonshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jimbo Talks. In this portion of the program, we are talking with David Shum, who has uh, written the book Red Roulette, published by Scribner, and subtitled An Insider's Story. Of wealth, power, corruption, and vengeance, in today's China. Uh, before we get into your personal story, which is really key to uh, understanding, I suppose a lot of this—wealth, uh, power, corruption, and vengeance—is that any way to uh, to, to run uh, a uh, an authoritarian state? It seems to me like somebody in uh, Beijing is uh, is missing a few cues here. Uh, this kind of thing uh, can't possibly be beneficial uh, to uh, running such an authoritarian state.
12: Yeah. Hi. Uh, hi. It's, uh, my name is H. Desmond, not David.
1: I, I, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Desmond, gotcha. go right ahead. Yes.
12: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. One of the when when I was uh, deciding the the title of the book and uh, the subtitles. And I was discussing with the publisher uh, it is rather provocative to Beijing to write something like that on a subtitle.
1: Uh, I take it you're still there, are you,
12: Desmond? Yeah, I am. I am. All
1: right. Um, You don't happen to know what that uh, little beeping noise, well, it seems to have disappeared, so please continue. You were talking with your publisher about the uh, about uh, the book, go ahead,
12: yeah, I was saying that, that that's a uh, subtitle that uh, Beijing must uh, would not like it
1: well no uh, I, I, I dare not. say they We're they wrong. wouldn't but but yeah, at this stage that, in your life, that, I mean that, they already didn't like you, right
12: yeah, well, yes, well they, they particularly didn't like my, uh, my 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 ex-wife,
1: yeah, all right, uh but but again uh, i mean a uh, a a well-run authoritarian state may have uh, room for some uh uh well certainly power centered in the uh, the communist party a uh, uh, a little bit of corruption and uh vengeance i don't know vengeance uh that that needs to be carefully controlled i would think again uh we think of china as uh as I suppose, a reasonably well-run authoritarian state, if you don't mind the absence of things like personal freedom. But uh, again, your, your subtitle would indicate almost uh, a state that's out of control. Is that is that what the modern China is?
12: Uh, a, dictate, uh, a dictatorship always uh, incites a lot of uh, uh, best because you always... Uh, trying the only person relevant is the one on top of you uh, the one above you and then you so there's a lot of best stabbing among uh, the ones who are to tr- try to uh, play favor to the one above so vengeance is a consistent theme theme among um, it in the society in the system Yeah,
1: are, are, are you suggesting That uh, the leadership of China could be in doubt that if things, for example, uh, took a a serious uh, turn for the worse, let's say, economically, that there could be what amounts to, uh, oh, something akin to a coup? Um, That
12: dictatorship, it's, you know, it's always, uh, that's always uh, a possibility. I mean, China's uh, you know, we have this. Quote, quote unquote reform opening starting in 78, 70, 1978, which happened right after having a coup. It was a coup of Deng Xiaoping arresting the, the wife of Mao Zedong, and the Rich started this reform opening process of, you know, 45 years ago.
1: Yeah. So uh, I grant you uh, there is no smooth method of uh, transition of power in uh, a nation like China. That's true. Whoever uh, grabs the most uh, uh, guns, I guess, the fastest uh, is going to be the ones who are in power. All right. Let's go back to, to your beginnings. You grew up impoverished in China, and you vowed that your life would be different. What did you set about doing to try and make that difference?
12: I... Well, I was born uh, at the tail end of Cultural Revolution in the ninth, late '60s,
1: when the whole and society had virtually been ripped apart. Exactly, exactly.
12: Um, the whole society; everybody is poor. So, so that's uh, how we, how how I started. Um, that how um, the entire China was started. And that's, uh, you know, uh, that's as you were saying that. I'm trying to be different. I'm trying to say well, how how to, how can I rise above it?
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, you you decided to uh, you got an American college degree and returned to, to China to uh, set yourself up in business. So, what kind of uh, business?
12: Yeah, uh, before that, I mean, I think what what really got me started was. Um, you know, I was born in Shanghai, and everybody, as I was saying, that everybody around me was poor, and and then my parents. Uh, when I was ten, my parents uh, took uh, took me to Hong Kong, and that's the time. You know, the vast difference between rich and poor. Uh, that obviously, the first time in my life, you sense that. And
1: uh, at that, that time, Hong Kong was not a part of China. Hong Kong was very much a British territory, was it not?
12: Yes, it is a. Uh, it was a bad British territory. I mean, the currency we use have the have the Queen, you know, who just passed away on, right. on the currency. Right. So yeah, so there's a vast difference between rich and poor, and it's probably I would say day and night the internal the the society and the the richness of the society. And that's the yeah. first time it's different, you know.
1: Were you able to start a business in Hong Kong?
12: Actually, uh, I, I, I came to Hong Kong when I was 10. Oh, and okay, my father, all right. Yeah, my father, my father came when he was uh, 37, 38, and um, he started as a hard labor in a cold storage uh mm-hmm. And right. moving, goods around, and eventually, actually, he works for Tyson Foods. I think. At what
1: point? At what point would you say that you had 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 uh, quote made it uh, economically? At what point were things uh, looking up for you? I know eventually they wound up looking down, and that you tell that story in the book uh, Red Roulette. Uh, at what point could you look in the mirror and say? Uh, uh, desmond you've you've made it you've done okay you've broken out of poverty
12: i would say i would say um early early 2000s okay you were how old by then i would um, probably late 30s late 30s or 40 40 years old about
1: yeah. Okay. And by this time, you had met your future wife, right, uh, Whitney? Right. Right. Okay. Uh, she, uh, I gather, displeased the authorities in Beijing even more than you did.
12: Yeah. Well, you know, we. Were what? What
1: did? What did? What did she do that uh, displeased them so much?
12: For— Beginning uh, starting from the beginning of 2000s, uh, we were in business partnership with the Wen family, which is the uh, premier. Wen Jiabao is the premier of China for for 10 years. Also oh, over even before that, we starting a, a business relationship with them, and it went on for over a decade.
1: Okay, and and and, and, and all of this was just fine with the the top authorities so far, right?
12: It's obviously fine when your partner, your business partner, is the, the family of the premier. And okay. Yeah. The, so you, yeah, you had the,
1: the, the, the inside path. I guess the question that we have to come to here: at what point did things start to unravel?
12: Uh, after Xi Jinping came to power, um, that things changed.
1: Okay. Now, now you have. Uh, you, you how much time have you spent in Shanghai?
12: Uh, my first, the first 10 years of my life was in Shanghai. Okay.
1: So but did you ever go back there after that?
12: Yeah. I, I mean, in my, when I was a teenager, yeah. I go back every summer. Uh, I got to yeah, but not a to
1: live, you just to visit.
12: That's right.
1: That's yeah. Because right. uh, we, we in the West tend to think of, uh, of, uh, of the various places where capitalism is, is encouraged, I guess, and allowed to run rampant, uh, that Shanghai is kind of the, the model there are Chinese uh, uh, multimillionaires and I guess even billionaires, and uh, we tend to think of them as being in Shanghai. Would that be the uh, the uh, the epicenter of uh, of uh, uh, Chinese uh, capitalism today, sanctioned by the Communist Party?
12: I think Shanghai is the leading commercial city of China. Yeah, but I think in a billionaires probably Beijing has more than Shanghai. Oh, okay. In, in China, um, commercial success is not possible without linkage with political power. Um, Beijing is obviously the epic center of political power. Well, that's China.
1: certainly true, yeah. The, the, the Beijing. T-t-t- what is the relationship between a wealthy capitalist and the Chinese Communist Party? Uh, obviously, uh, uh, some permission is granted, I guess. Uh, what does it take to get the permission of the Chinese Communist Party to make a bundle of money?
12: In China, every business person, I, and I mean every business person from um, a newsstand, a corner shop on the street to a person who running one of the biggest, uh, you know, whether it's a real estate or Internet company to make it a billionaire. You need sponsor for, or sponsorship of political power, so somebody in the political system is backing you, and that's uh, that's I mean you know from a person who's making selling newspaper on the street through the you know then you would be yeah. maybe buying off political power, let's say, uh, beat police on the, on your street, to right. in our case was basically buying off. Uh, sponsorship of the family of the premier
1: okay uh, and and what does uh, the, the, the what does the communists get out of this do they get a cut in other words I'll I'll back your bid to, to be a big capitalist for 10 percent or something like that I'm just trying to I guess understand the nature of the relationship
12: yeah it's, it is uh, essentially another level of tax so if yeah. you want me to be your sponsor, you pay me a cut of whatever you make.
1: What's what's a what's a good going figure? I mean, what, what's the going rate? Uh, I'll I, I I'm a top communist. You want to be a top capitalist? Fine. You got you have my sponsorship for for what? Ten percent, to twenty percent? I mean, what what's the going figure for this level of corruption?
12: In our case, was thirty uh, percent.
1: Thirty percent. Wow. Well,
12: was uh, sort of the growing rates for um, growing rates for our type of business. I mean, our wow. size of this All
1: right. Well, we're going to come back and talk some more about this uh, story of uh, Desmond Shum, a man who uh, who had uh, some good things going and that things didn't work out quite so well in a China that sounds a lot messier and more uh, disorderly than uh, I would have thought. One eight six six five zero Jimbo. One eight six six five zero five four six two six. The book is Red Roulette. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Jimbo Hannan Show. One eight six six five zero Jimbo. One eight six six five zero five four six two six 4626 with Desmond Shum, the author of Red Roulette, published by Scribner's. Um, how did you fall out of favor? And then we'll take some calls for you.
12: I think well, what happened with Xi Jinping was uh, when he came to power, well, already so the first thing is his transition of power. So uh, the last administration went, and then the new administration of Xi Jinping came in and xi jinping is uh, in, in my view was because she she disappeared for 4 years and but she never been charged and then there was never any explanation from the political power why she was uh, disappeared by the state for 4 years so i assume it was uh, xi jinping taking hostage against possible political Rivals.
1: Wow, this is uh, this this re- reads like the leadership of a gang, a, a mob. Unbelievable. Uh, Doc in Wilmington, Delaware, calls in to talk with Desmond Shum, the author of Red Roulette, and to look at a very uh, untidy china. Hello, Doc.
10: Hello, Jim. Thanks again for taking my salt call, sir. Mr. Shum, it is an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. As a foreigner and an American, you are illuminating me on China. I read everything I can on China because it's fascinating to me. There is a book out by Gordon Chang in which Mr. Chang postulates on the coming collapse of China. What are your thoughts on this topic, sir? Will China collapse internally? Will it be violent or will it be peaceful? And what will come after it? Will the Chinese people finally have, sir, political freedom internally? And will China flower even more as a power? Your thoughts,
12: sir? I wouldn't I, actually I wouldn't think China would uh, collapse. the Communist Party is not going to collapse. I would think it will be decay. Decay, I think is a, it's, it's a, it's a more appropriate word because in the situation of China is the state and the party controls everything. So they and then in in, in situation of China, they control all the guns. And they're willing to use the gun and they prove on, on their own population. They have proven that in 1989 yeah. um, when uh, the Tiananmen massacre. So, when you have a state that control all the guns, and we, I saw just sort of recently that um, that's 480 cameras, surveillance cameras on, on every 1,000 people in China. China has more than 50% of the surveillance camera of the world. So when you have a power, a political power that has all the guns, has all the means uh, to, to to monitor and control the population, I, I don't think it will collapse, but it will decay because of you know what we are already seeing that happening now with the economy, with the society, with the zero COVID lockdown of all the major cities in uh, in China. So so I think that will that will continue. And then it will, it will, it will have—it's happening as, as a quickening pace. But I don't see that collapse coming.
1: Well, now uh, the Chinese economy uh, is on rather shaky grounds, is it not?
12: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the almost the state-stated uh, economic growth goal grow at the beginning of the year. Obviously, the the economy has been going very strong for thirty some years. But at the same time, they massage the numbers. So every time almost hit the number spot on. And this is the first time. So now they say this year we're going to go at 5%. But then now, and the investment bank always follows the official number because nobody want to upset the authority. And I still want my investment bank to do some business in China. So when China says five, everybody says it's going to be five. And then but things not looking good, if this is the first time, all investment banks now looking at, they're putting numbers three and three a and little bit around below three. I mean, obviously, I think that the, the real number is significantly lower, but nobody uh-huh. wants that. So but still, I all mean, right. that's a two-
1: Well, we're, we're coming up on a break here that doesn't move. And uh, we'll continue uh, your look at the Chinese economy on the, the Jim Bohannon Show uh, with uh, Desmond Shum in a moment. Welcome back to the Jim Bohannon Show. Desmond Shum, our guest, has written the book Red Roulette. We're talking with a man who went from poverty to pretty extreme wealth, and then things began to collapse around him. Now, uh, I gather that that uh, a lot of, of such loyalty as the uh, Chinese government has has come uh, from economics that... Uh, You may be, uh, uh, say, a man in in China. Uh, You may be wondering if if you're standing in a urinal, if there's a camera in the urinal. But in exchange for that incredible level of surveillance, you've got a car. Your father had a scooter. And before that, your grandfather had uh, mass transit if they were lucky or they walked if they weren't lucky. Now, let's say that economy started to go sour, Desmond. Uh, what kind of loyalty? Let's say they had a major recession, even bordering on a depression in China. Uh, how much loyalty from the Chinese people would they have? I'll grant you that the communists are not going to give up and that there would be uh, uh, deaths and the like, maybe many deaths. But uh, I can't believe that the uh, the Chinese people would necessarily be completely compliant if... Uh, in fact, that economy suddenly collapsed around them.
12: Uh, yes, uh, the loyalty, has essentially the, the Communist Party buying off the, the population's loyalty with the del- delivery of economic growth, which is now in trouble. So one of the, the study right now is the study of RUN. It's basically how do I get out of the country. That's a, one of the most talked about topic now on the Internet in China.
1: All right. Now, uh 186650 Jimbo our number by the way. 18665054626 and Desmond Shum is the author of the book Red Roulette. Uh why do you call your book Red Roulette? Does that have special significance?
12: It's uh actually uh, it's like playing the Russian roulette. You know, uh-huh. so that's essentially the the situation okay. um, we I was in uh, at one moment we were riding high, and the next one you got you got a bullet in the
1: yeah. head. Now, you, your uh your wife at the time, Whitney Duan, uh, she was very ambitious, also, and uh, working with her, you became part of the Chinese billionaire class, uh, developing the massive air cargo facility at Beijing International Airport. They. Uh, you then created one of Beijing's premier hotels. You traveled in private jets. Uh, you funded uh, multi million dollar buildings and endowments. You had expensive homes and vehicles and so on. Yeah, the world by the tail. What happened?
12: Uh, as I was uh, saying, that uh, money goes with political power. And uh, our sponsor. our sponsor, the premier, retired. And the Xi Jinping have a different view of yeah. uh, his possible political rival, and that's oh. what happened. By fortune, you
1: uh, you were backed by the wrong uh, the wrong person. Now, uh you uh, in 2017, you were uh, residing overseas with your son, and yeah. you learned that uh, your now ex wife Whitney had vanished, along with right. three co workers. And when I first read that, I was I was was wondering if that was some kind of uh, uh, metaphor, but I gather that, that she literally vanished. That, she, that one day she just wasn't there. Uh, what happened to her?
12: We we never know what happened because uh, she. I mean, vanished like a puff of air, just like gone, and because her parents never heard of nobody in the world has heard a word of her from her for four years. And then the stain never the knowledge taken her. And then she was just proper, egg. gone.
1: Did you ever see her again? I mean, I, I don't know, what was her ultimate fate?
12: She, she actually called me four days before my book came out. Uh, and that's the first time um, I ever talked to her. Uh, I ever, you know, anybody ever heard from her. And she asked me to stop the book from publishing. Did she
1: t- tell you why? Uh, like her safety depended on it. I mean, wh- why did she ask you to to not publish the book Red Roulette?
12: She said, first of all, I think it's she was direct. You know, her phone line was dead for four years, and all of a sudden the line was open and then live, and then she's calling me, you know, out overseas. Uh, so it is uh, directed by the authority, directed by the Communist Party, and I guess. They want, they don't like the content of the book to come out to the world.
1: Well, I, I dare say, yeah, I can understand why the Chinese government uh, wouldn't want the book published. I guess I'm curious as to why uh, your ex-wife wouldn't want it uh, published unless it had to do with her own personal safety, if she was being held, in effect, hostage. Uh, uh, yeah,
12: exactly. Don't publish your
1: yeah, yeah. book or else something bad will happen to your former wife. I mean, I'm just speculating.
12: Yeah, I think, you know, know, reality is she's probably in a cell somewhere and essentially handed her phone and said, well, you do this or something else will happen to you.
1: Wow. Anyway, uh, we'll pause briefly. We'll come back with more with uh, Desmond Shum, who has had the book published, Red Roulette. And uh, it's quite an eye-opener. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Welcome back to the Jimbo Hannon Show at one eight six six five zero Jimbo, one eight six six five zero five four six two six. Desmond Chum went from abject poverty to billionaire status, and now he's an outsider. As we take some calls here, uh, where where are you based these days, Desmond? I'm in the UK. Okay, Great Britain. All right. If you were to return unannounced to to uh, let's say, Beijing, just to fly into the country. And I'm sure that uh, it wouldn't take long for facial recognition to determine that Desmond Shum was back in China. What would happen to you?
12: I think would be, I'll probably have the same fate as my wife and uh, as Whitney, and um, probably I will disappear.
1: Wow. All right. Steve in Monterey, California, calls in to talk to Desmond Shum. Hello, Steve. Hi, Jim.
6: Desmond Chum. You have a good show here, Jimbo. How you doing? Thank you. You know, there's a book that I plan to write called Apathy is the Enemy someday, and I want to focus my call on that because we've got Russian citizens now fleeing their country and their despotic leader, their madman, and they're all wondering what they did wrong to be put in this position. Well, they tolerated a brainwashed culture they looked the other way, they stuck their heads in the sand, and they uh, sidestepped their responsibilities to live free.
1: And well, so I mean, they're, let, they're let, when you say they sidestepped their responsibilities, uh, exactly what mechanism should they have used? I mean, they uh, it, uh, under Putin, uh, it hasn't exactly been uh, uh, easy to, uh, quote, shoulder some responsibility for freedom. I mean, if you don't have free elections and you don't have— uh, a lot of, uh, of the, uh, the freedoms necessary to make your views known, what were they supposed to do?
6: Well, if it ever, you know, if, if the politics ever gets corrupt enough, people could all stop working and start to farm their own food and put the government out of business that way, for example. But in America, we have the similar problem I want to point out, not just China, the same scenario. You know, Putin is a terrible man. Everyone wants to kill him. His 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 goal is to create as much fear and horror and evil in the world as he can, and yet he gets away with it. And we want because he
1: he has all he has all the power. He has all the guns. I mean, uh, yeah, he gets away with it. Uh, A lot of a lot of bad people get away with stuff like that because they have the power, and there's no peaceful means to change power.
6: Well, the reason he has the power is apathy.
1: No. no, it isn't just apathy. I mean, you know, sure, if you're a, a Russian and you don't uh, don't like the way things are going, I guess you can always go out and uh, and uh, start uh, slandering Vladimir Putin. We'll see how long that uh, that lasts. I mean, uh, the idea that uh, that you can just uh, hit the streets and uh, and start challenging uh, uh, Putin's rule. I mean, I don't think it, it works quite that way. But uh, we're getting kind of far afield here. Did you have something you wanted to mention to our guest?
6: Yes. OK, uh, we have a similar situation in America, like China, tolerating this evil.
1: Well, uh, except for the fact that we do have means of actually changing things in this country. It's not the same situation at all.
6: America is going to realize how stupid it's been when Stephen King does the perp walk for killing John Lennon.
1: <laughs> OK, thanks, Steve. That was uh, very creative. All right. Frank in central Ohio. Good evening, Frank.
13: Thank you, uh, old timer. I am. Um, you know, since Nixon's administration back in the the uh, seventy there, before he got booted, we have pumped trillions and of dollars into the Chinese economy and government.
1: Okay. Well, the, through their economy, certainly. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask a quick question yeah. of uh, my uh, of uh, my here. Do I owe you a break? Well, I guess uh, he's not uh, listening at the moment. I do owe you a break. All right. Tell you what, Frank, you stay on the line. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Jim Bohannon Show. Our guest, Desmond Shum, is the author of Red Roulette. And uh, Frank in Central Ohio, go ahead to pick up your call from the beginning, please.
13: Yeah, you know, we have since Nixon administration we have pumped trillions of dollars.
1: Well, we've done a lot investment. of business with them. I mean, it's not like uh, China has been receiving foreign aid from us, but uh, we have certainly had a a uh, increasingly robust economic relationship with the the uh, the Chinese. But it's been more one of commerce as opposed to uh, to just uh, flat out handouts.
13: That is correct. That's that's correct. That's. I, that's didn't mean even to be stated. We've we've helped them uh, tremendously, and actually, I look
1: at well. I mean, I we we got Chinese. things in reply. We got a lot of cheap uh, commercial goods, and of course, we s- succeeded in putting ourselves in a position to be blackmailed for things like computer chips and uh, pharmaceuticals and this sort of thing. But go ahead.
13: Yeah. So what I'm saying, and we've we've been in part and partial of creating this monster
1: this Well vampire. we've helped we didn't create it and we certainly uh we 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 I will give you my view of what happened in our relationship with China and then I want our guest Desmond Shum to offer his more uh, educated view when Mao Zedong died uh we thought that China was leaving its uh a period of uh Parochial uh, provincialism, its paranoid period, if you will. And uh, we were eager to encourage that tendency. I mean, after all, you had leaders who wore Western style business suits, for Pete's sake. And so we said, Here, welcome to the Big Boys Club. Here's the uh, uh, United Nations Security Council uh, permanent seat with the veto, and uh, here's the World Trade Organization and all this. Here are the rules to being in the Big Boys Club. And China signed on every dotted line, and I'm not sure there's been a a single agreement China has made with the West that they haven't broken, be it currency manipulation to intellectual property theft and uh, It might have been I suppose a noble effort in the beginning to open China up, but it quickly was proven to be an abject failure in my view. I personally am of the view that the absolute least we have to do with China, especially economically the Better off we are now. Then, I'd like the view of Desmond Shum in that regard. Uh, my view is that the opening up of China to the civilized world uh, was a failure. Your thoughts?
12: I think I, I generally agree with you. Actually, I, I'm actually, I would say I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think uh, what happened is, uh, in, a, in a, right from the beginning when the next thing came. It's looking at a country that, you know, contains about one-fifth of global population and then say, well, and then in 1980s, uh, like what happened to the Eastern Europe, a lot of country turned from communist state to joining the liberal world. And then we were, I mean, Americans, and uh, I think most of the world were hoping that similar things could happen to this communist state. And obviously we all misjudge the true character of the communist party. And then essentially create a monster of today.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Okay. Therefore, that's our answer. uh, Collective answer, Frank, anything you wanted to add?
13: Yes. It's the Chinese government, not the people. I love the Chinese people. Uh Okay. Okay. I love Chinese people. Very good. Government has become a cancer to the free world.
1: Well, yeah, I, I guess to the extent that they can be, uh, uh, they they're trying to be more of one but uh again they're they're really expanding uh, their military power they're uh nationalizing chunks of the south china sea by making artificial islands uh, they're uh, threatening taiwan uh uh so yeah i mean the, to the extent that they have the power uh, they they are a cancer at the same time they're a major trading partner with this this country and it would be very painful. Uh, it would probably be catastrophic to the Chinese economy if we stopped trading with them. Uh, uh, it would be painful to the United States, catastrophic to China, I would think. Uh, Desmond?
12: Yeah, true. I think you're completely right. I mean, that's why yeah. in in step-by process, step-by-step process of the current you know, the last administration and this current administration, uh, having this um, strategy of decoupling, especially in certain strategic uh sectors and business and industries.
1: Yeah. All right. Now then, uh, let's say that uh, a Western business executive has uh, managed to get uh, the permission to build a plant in China and they've handed over all kinds of intellectual property as essentially the, uh, the uh, bribe necessary to build that factory. And, and they do something which displeases the government in Beijing I, I can't imagine that a Western, uh, say, an American business leader would uh, would be disappeared, as happened to your wife. Uh, what would happen to that American? Would they, would they lose control of the factory in question? How would uh, China express its displeasure with a, uh, a Western uh, economic partner, if you will?
12: They will uh, start uh, putting fines, uh, all this kind of fines, uh, you know, on different pretexts. So it could be, say, well, all all of a sudden you find yourself in violation of certain environmental laws that you were completely unaware of that existed before. And that that's where they will start. And then they will squeeze you on your business. And then all of a sudden you have more inspection into your factories. Oh, you have a workers' issue. Uh, so all of this can happen. And then nowadays, actually, the party insists Almost every business needs to have party sales, needs to establishment of party sales within your organization. So they can, through that, they also can uh, influence the operation of your business.
1: Interesting. Uh, You have to wonder, I mean, I know there are, are what, 1.6 billion Chinese, and that's a mighty big market. But I mean, to put up with all the guff that the, the Chinese government puts out, it makes me wonder, is it really worth it that much to have access to the Chinese market? I mean, it seems like, like Western business leaders just uh, throw themselves prostrate on the ground and just, uh, uh, just uh, virtually uh, beg for an opportunity to to sell things to the Chinese. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I would would think there are other markets in other parts of the world where you don't have to put up with that much guff.
12: Well China has gone basically come from nothing 40 years ago. Today it's about 16 percent of global GDP. The U.S is about uh, just a bit, uh, bit over 20. So it is a huge market, second largest market uh, by in many sectors. it's the largest market. So, but, but what globalization has done is benefit uh, you know, certain business owners and elites of the society disproportionately. And I would say the, the general mass, especially the mid-level workers of America, has uh, suffered for that. So the well, jobs I would say been- so, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've,
12: we've uh, uh,
1: lost a lot of jobs to the Chinese, have we not?
12: Yeah, you, you probably lost millions of manufacturing jobs to the Chinese. Uh,
1: of our own choice, that's, that's the part that uh, is, is amazing to me. All right. Uh, Suffice it to say, this is the most uh, eye-opening book. And uh, as I say, the the China that uh, exists, that Desmond DeShum knows well, is a lot more untidy and disorderly than I would have thought. Red Roulette is the name of this book, published by Scribners, and subtitled An Insider's Story of Wealth, Power, Corruption, and Vengeance in Today's China. All right, stay with us. Uh, More to come. Uh, We, of course, come to you weeknights, uh, Monday through Friday evening. I'm Jim Bohannon. And uh, we do, of course, uh, come to you courtesy of Westwood One.
10: Are you ready for hard-hitting observations?
2: She is the least credible person I may have ever seen on camera.
10: The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today.
2: Guys, not everything is 40, Chess. Why can't we just laugh?
10: ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch
2: we all know i'm the number one rapper in the world thanks to facts by tom mcdonald
10: the ben shapiro show on youtube or wherever you listen
1: Hi there, good evening. Welcome to the Jimbo Hannon Show from Westwood One Radio. We're at one eight six six five oh jimbo one eight six six five zero five four six two six. 505 4626 Online, find us at com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jimbo Talks. And uh, Gil calls in from Manila, the Philippines. Hello, Gil.
4: Hello, Jimbo. Uh, several things, if I may. Uh, please. please. Uh, you know, um, I don't know if you saw it in the news, but the mayor of El Paso, Texas, a place that I lived for a long time, is busing migrants to Chicago and New York City. Are yeah, you and he's a
1: Democrat, he's, if uh, I'm not mistaken.
4: Was, yeah, he's a Democrat. Nobody's yeah. saying anything bad about him. Kind of funny, don't you think?
1: Well, uh, it, it is. Uh, it, it is, yes, uh, uh, kind of funny. Of course, it is a political year, and uh, I'm not sure just exactly what the Democrats uh, plan to do with the Democrats who aren't, shall we say, with the program. That's a very interesting question. Uh, Of course, the Democratic Party itself may soon be in great disarray, and maybe the old-line Democrats may, oh, retake power? I don't know. It's hard to... Hard to imagine the Democrats without groups like the Squad in them, but uh, uh, be that as it may, yes, I haven't heard much about this uh, particular individual and uh, much criticism, but uh, certainly the criticism that's been aimed at uh, Governor Abbott of Texas and uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida has been criticism about what they're doing. So therefore, presumably, the mayor of San Antonio, uh, or was it San Antonio or El Paso, Gil?
4: El Paso.
1: El El Paso. Paso, Paso. Thank you. Yes. He's an acquaintance of mine. Ah, uh, presumably that uh, the same criticisms would apply regardless of your party. So I haven't heard a lot in criticism of the mayor of El Paso. And I am, I guess, uh, well, to expect uh, consistency uh, uh, from Democrats these days is asking a lot. But uh, I suppose, yes, he should be getting the same criticism. You say you know this individual.
4: I'm an acquaintance. I, I was very politically active when I lived in El Paso. Um, Beto O'Rourke's dad was a pretty good friend of mine, who, and he was a Republican.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Well, I think Interesting. we can safely say his son is not.
4: <laughs> yes, we can safely say that. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd like to make a, a remark about... Uh, pretty Griner, if I may. Um, this is
1: the basketball player who was uh, in uh, Russia for uh, showing up with drug paraphernalia when she should have been well aware of the fact that she wasn't in the United States.
4: Yes, okay. Right. And and, uh, and uh, uh, some things that are incongruent. You know that the, um, uh, the Russians in a uh, prisoner swap swapped two Americans who were fighting in the Ukrainian army uh, back to Ukraine for uh, Russian prisoners. And I thought that was interesting.
1: Uh, It was uh, quite interesting, uh, yes. Uh, I'm not sure uh, uh, what—apparently Putin didn't think the Americans were, uh, uh, I guess, a sufficient— bargaining bait uh, that is to say ransom uh, objects i w- i'm kind of surprised that uh, putin didn't try for more than just a handful of russian prisoners uh, that that surprises me
4: that surprised me too and uh about um miss greiner um uh, she pled guilty and when you plead guilty as charged you lose an awful lot of your moral authority. If you're guilty as charged, you're guilty as charged, and you're in the uh, judicial system of the place where you are located. Um, uh, Now, uh, President Biden says that uh, they're trying to find a couple of people in U.S. custody to swap for her and a, a gentleman, a former Marine, who was um, convicted on espionage charges. Yes, uh, uh, that, those charges are perfectly like trumped up. up, yeah. Yeah, to do something like they did with Francis Gary Powers and the uh, master spy of uh, the Soviet Union. But I think the more the more things change, the more they stay the same.
1: And they they would that, apparently you know, uh, so do. I mean, yeah, Griner, of course, who uh, famously... Uh, Trashed her country and, and her flag. Uh, I bet the United States is looking a lot better to her these days.
4: I would I would think so. And you know, I would I hope don't know so. If you if you if if you follow if you follow her career, but she uh, she's a brawler on the on the basketball court. You know, that oh, and, yeah. she gets ejected. From, yeah, she gets ejected from games because she likes to fight uh physically um and uh that's about the only part of the WNBA i really like is uh the one <laughs>
1: catfight catfight okay <laughs> yeah i mean uh, uh i i have no great desire to get her back and i, I wouldn't be interested in uh in swapping a high value a dangerous uh, prisoner just to to get back this uh, person who, has no use for this country, I have no use for her, especially by her own stupidity. I mean, it is impossible for me to believe that the WNBA, when players go to other places, uh, other countries to play, that they don't brief players. Now, you should know that Russia does not have a judicial system like ours, and when they have something that's against the law, they actually mean it. They don't mean that you get out of jail a week from Thursday. It's hard for me to believe that that was not explained to her so she should have made gone out of her way to make sure that the drug paraphernalia was not with her but apparently a grinder is not exactly what one would call a rocket scientist Gil.
4: no uh, but 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 uh, she uh, sure stands head and shoulders above most of the players on the on all the teams she's a big girl
1: yeah that's, uh, what, I and I that's wanna, what i hear i wouldn't
4: i wouldn't want to run into her in a dark alley but
1: <laughs> yeah i, I wouldn't want to run into her period yeah. All right. Uh, well, th- th- that's uh, interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, Greiner. As far as I'm concerned, uh, they can keep her. Maybe she can show the same disrespect for for Russia that uh, she shows for this country. All right. Uh, thank you, sir. One eight six six five O Jimbo. One eight six six five O five four six two six. And here's Tom in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Good evening.
8: Good evening, Jim. And uh, belated uh, happy Constitution Day to you.
1: Oh, yes, indeed. Last, Thank last you very Saturday. much. Last Saturday was, in fact, Constitution Day. That is correct. Uh,
8: two things, if I could. First of all, uh, as far as doing business uh, with China or in China, you know, uh, keep in mind, anybody doing business in this country has a lot of government interference in terms of uh, everything from uh, consumer making the consumer happy, consumer affairs, uh, to uh, environmental uh, concerns, to OSHA, yeah. to... Uh, uh, making a variety of products and having competition in China. they did
1: nothing compared with what China does.
8: Well, and evidently, uh, some businesses like, I remember Larry, uh, just recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Larry Fink, uh, he's the head of Black, was it Blackwater, BlackRock, the uh, financial institution, says that uh, uh, marketplaces, mar- markets for businesses tend to like totalitarian states. Because it's stable.
1: Uh, well, maybe maybe some places not. Consumers are going to China's care. China's not not one of those places. Uh, the Chinese uh, hold up companies that uh, that try to uh, to deal with China. Uh, maybe maybe some uh, well,
8: totalitarian I mean, you know, states, may, but not China. Them up, but as long as as long as they, the the company going in knows that they're going to maybe get fifty percent out. Then that's 50 percent more than they would might get in the United States, say, with the economy fluctuating up and down, and the Fed stepping in and changing things, and the government and changing environmental rules and uh, uh, greenhouse uh, emission rules and everything else. Where China just says, you know, if we're doing it this way, and we're going to do it this way for the next 20 years, and that's a you know pretty stable marketplace.
1: Well, there's consistency to to being ripped off. Uh, well, well, yeah, I'd, at least you know
8: you're getting something, though.
1: Well, Let me put it this way: I simply, uh, I, I doubt that that many businesses would say that it was, it was really a a, a comparable level of, uh, of, uh, of hassling. But, but go ahead, Tom.
8: I, I I'm curious how, how you think about this uh, uh, equivalent to uh, new Gingrich's uh, contract with America the, the, that they're coming the out The
1: commitment to America.
8: Yeah, well, I guess what I'm getting at is this. You know, Newt Gingrich was dealing with Bill Clinton at a time when they just came out of Ronald Reagan and Tip o, uh, O'Neill. And so there was still some uh, uh, good harmony there between both sides. They weren't we weren't close to a civil war. And I tend to wonder if they come up with a list of 10 items or 15 items that they seem to have done, whatever the number is. Somebody ran through down through the list. But they don't fulfill the majority of them in the next two years. Then at least in the house, they're probably going to be out, aren't they? Because uh, you know the, the public. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, well, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton knew enough to be flexible and go with the flow. I don't. He did. Bill he Biden did.
1: did. Biden, of course, is not flexible. But I mean, the Republicans have put forward what they're going to try to do. Now, in terms of uh, of passing significant laws that uh, differ from Biden administration policy. Uh, let's assume that the Republicans get the House and the Senate. They can pass all the legislation they want, but uh, do they have the two-thirds vote needed for a veto override? Uh, you could uh, be setting up a situation in which there would be a lot of Joe Biden vetoes.
8: Exactly. Well, I mean, and, and, well, and
1: I mean the, so the, therefore, that doesn't mean that uh, that the Republicans will be out. They they, ha- they have well, and, and their, years, they have promised to so do their they have promised to do their best, Tom. I mean, but as long as Joe Biden is still there to block their path, the fact is. That a president can do a lot more to block a path than they they can to uh, to go along with one.
8: The news media is going to put a spin on it, and and the uh, social media, which is controlled by liberals to a great extent, Facebook and so forth, are going to only allow comments to put the spin on that the Democrats want. So even though Biden blocks it, they're going to point it out as a failure. The Democrat, I mean, of the Republicans.
1: Well, what are, they can do whatever they want, but I mean, as long as there are alternative sources of information, then uh, the, the mere fact that there are a lot of left-leaning people in social media doesn't mean that they have a monopoly. If so, we wouldn't be holding this conversation.
8: No, I understand that, Jim. But I, I also realize that you know, part, part of the problem that Trump had, and a lot of the problem that the Republicans have had in recent years, is that the Democrats have held much of the media shouting out what, what little bits of information are getting to parts of the yeah. public and not the majority of public.
1: But not all of it. That's just it. They don't have a complete monopoly
8: right, but they they only need fifty one percent to get the the other side to vote you out and me in or me out and you in
1: well, in that case, there is no hope and uh and the Democrats will win every seat in this coming election
11: all, all, that's not
1: going to happen because people aren't that easy, in other words, don't ascribe too much power to the uh, the people who uh, control social media. they don't control your vote
8: the vote. But what I'm saying is, are the, are the Republicans maybe promising too much? And I hope they do it your No, way, they're, they're only and, and promising only
1: to try to do these things. They're going to push for these things. They will vote for these things. That doesn't mean that they are going to be in a position to uh, uh, get around a presidential veto. I mean, I don't think the American public is, is too stupid to understand the concept.
8: Well, I think a lot of people will remember Obama's uh, and uh, uh, repeal and replacement of Obamacare, and that didn't happen. So, y- you know, well, guess- I'll
1: grant you that in terms of health care, uh, the Republicans have uh, talked big and done little. And I will grant you that. No question about it, Tom. Sure. Hey, thank you, Jim. You I- bet. Thank you for your call. i back with more in just a moment. According to Vanity Fair, Jones assigned the voice rights to his character Darth Vader over to Lucasfilms. And Respeecher, which is a Ukrainian company which uses archival recordings and an artificial intelligence program to create new dialogue and the voices of performers who have either aged out of their roles or who have passed away. This method was used recently to recreate the voice of a young Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill, for the Book of Boba Fett and to mimic Vader's voice which Jones is now aged out of for his scenes in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, th- this is a fascinating era in terms of technology when you can retire your voice. It's not as though it's coming out of you or no place else. No, now, now, in fact, artificial intelligence can be used to recreate a voice. Pretty, uh, Pretty remarkable. Anyway... 186650 Jimbo 18665054626 That's uh it's 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 interesting what in fact can be done uh by uh, by computers these days I know that uh, it is one of the truths of uh, of automation that since the first automation which was approximately two centuries ago the the looms, steam-powered looms that were used in Britain in place of some workers. Uh, Jobs replaced have tended to have more jobs created so that uh, if uh, you lose, let's say, 10 jobs from uh, one type of automation, maybe 12 new jobs would be created. And that has been true through most all of the industrial revolution and the early days of the digital revolution. But I'm wondering if we're reaching the point where the miracles, whether you want to call them that or not, whether the miracles of automation have reached the point where they can replace more jobs than uh, they destroy. Because if we reach the, that point, then we're going to reach a point at which we no longer have one of the basic tenets of uh, of our civilized society, which is a, a full day's pay for a full day's work. What if, in fact, some of us become economically obsolete? I'm not saying that this will necessarily happen. I've heard experts say that uh, they think it will. I've heard others say that uh, that it won't we'll keep on getting more new jobs created i'm not so sure i tend to think that uh, we may be reaching the point where uh, more jobs will disappear at which point then you come to a very very interesting question how do we compensate people we can't just take the people who are economically obsolete who have no skill that we need and say well okay you you starve to death or or uh, or we'll shoot you I mean, we have to find a whole new rationale for distributing the wealth of society. No longer how hard you work or how much you work, but, uh, well, the mere fact that you exist. And if so, how much? I mean, we, we. I wouldn't imagine that people with nothing to do and nothing to contribute would get wealthy. But there would be, of course, the question of how much... Should any individual have, it it would ask a whole new set of questions that we've never asked before. Always before, we have had economies based on the precept of essentially a a good day's work for a good day's pay. And I'm simply noting, I think we may be approaching the point where that will no longer be the case. Then how do you distribute uh, money? If you're still economically viable, I guess you would get it the same way you used to. If you make something that's particularly valuable, you get more. But what if you are economically obsolete? Then what? We'll be back with more in a moment. It's amazing what can be done these days. We were noting the story a moment ago that uh, James Earl Jones is retiring his voice of uh, Darth Vader. But, I mean, I assume he gets some kind of compensation for this. But uh, he might as well have, because there is now a company out there that uses pre-recordings plus artificial intelligence to recreate voices. And uh, yes, that does strike home to me, since you ask. <laughs> it, it really does. And in the past, throughout all the industrialization that occurred during the 19th century into the 20th century and the, the digital uh, automation that has followed that, there has always been that general rule, the rule being that, yes, some jobs disappear, but more jobs get created. And that has generally been true. I'm simply wondering if we haven't reached the point where that will no longer be true, where we may see, let's say, 10 jobs that are disappeared by some form of automation and maybe four or five new jobs are created, which means that you would see a net loss of jobs. Then what? If if this becomes a trend, then how do you compensate people? Granted, sometimes we get off into uh, levels of, of foolish generosity and, uh, well, okay, you're, you're going to sit on your butt and uh, we'll pay you money. But that's just an aberration of society, which we can afford, I guess, by tolerating uh, uh, lazy people. But basically, society depends on productive people. What if we reach the point where society no longer does, where you are, let's say, hardworking, even trained, uh, educated in some particular discipline, but it's disappeared. Now there's some device that does it and you're still willing to work. In fact, you're eager to work. In fact, many of us derive our identities, essentially, from our work. You know, who who are you, Jim? Why, I'm a talk show host. That that's, uh, That is that is important to me. Uh, I have no, no plans for retiring, but uh, the fact is that that identity matters. It's a form of self-respect, if you will. And if uh, suddenly... I could be totally recreated by artificial intelligence and some voice synthesizer, which I suspect is not that far from uh, possible today. Uh, Then what happens to the gems of the world? Uh, I'm willing to work. I don't know how to do a lot of things. Willing to be retrained. Maybe it's not worth it to retrain me. Maybe there's some uh, digital program that does a certain task better than I could ever be trained to do. Then what? I don't really think that uh, they should take people like me out and, and shoot us or, or let us starve to death, because, of course, we wouldn't starve to death. We would uh, wind up holding up grocery stores or something, and that's hardly the basis for a stable society. What happens if, if, big if, we reach the point where more people are out of work than work? How do we compensate them? How do we keep them alive? On something subsistence? How subsistence? Will we be able to afford a car? Will we be able to afford uh, medication for granny? What have you? It's just a question that I don't think has been addressed. And uh, I'm curious your thoughts about how you feel about your job, or at least if you're retired, how you felt about your job. When you had a job, if you're retired, of course, you chose to stop working voluntarily. Retirement is a voluntary move. But let's say that suddenly your company simply said, gee, uh, Fred, you've been a faithful employee here for 32 years and and you've been uh, loyal to us and you've, uh, you've stayed in hard times and good. We have no place for you. We have a computer down the hall that can uh, do everything you did. So here's the severance payment. Goodbye. And as you are escorted out of the door, you say, "But wait, I'm only forty-seven. What do I do for the rest of my life?" Oh, that's your problem, Fred. Just a thought. One eight six six five O Jimbo. One eight six six five O five four six two six. Kind of a scary concept, I think, really. And it challenges the very core underpinnings of our whole society. We are based as a society on people doing work. What if that is no longer the case? Then what do we do with those people? And again, we're far too humane to just shoot them. And we're not stupid enough to let them just make a living robbing other people. Now, what do you do with those people? Paul in Lansing, Michigan. Good evening. Hi, Jimbo.
11: Hi. Uh, you know, that was so ironic to just hear you say, like, what if I, Jim Bohannon, were like an AI that sounded like me and acted like me? Because in an hour or so ago, I was listening to the show and I thought, you know, there was that time during midsummer that Jimbo was gone for I don't know six or eight weeks.
1: I was gone nobody for a while, that's him. certainly true.
11: And nobody knew where he was or what was going on and right. then suddenly he's back and it sounds just like Jim.
13: But I
1: know
11: for sure that it's really Jimbo Hammett. I will stay with you're really the real Jimbo Hannon. Well, thank the you. I say this, the reason I say this is because as I thought that through an hour or so ago, yeah. listening, to, listening to the show, listening to all the followers, listening to everything, and what struck me was, you know, for all the times I've called and talked with you and listened to all the shows, you're like like the greatest father figure (laughs) in America, in the United States, you're the most most level-headed, you know how to respond so as to not escalate whoever's calling and saying this or that against you or the topic, you know how to just keep the thing going, you don't pause like lengthy and
4: like, oh... I'm
11: stuck. I've been stumped. I don't know what to say. You always just keep the thing going. You 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 use reason. You use rationale. Um, this is this is the you're actually probably the at the pinnacle of what it actually means. The slogan "Make America Great Again." You really are, and I think a lot of the listeners are right now saying, "Yep, that's why I like listening to the Jimbo Man Show."
1: Well, that's very kind of you, Paul. Uh, again, I, 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 uh, I thank you, even though I wouldn't claim to be the, uh, the paragon of uh, reason that, uh, that maybe uh, I'm made out to be. But uh, uh, trust me, Paul, I am not a robot. Trust me. Anyway. <laughs> It is an interesting thought. Uh, We'll continue with more along this particular line when we continue in just a moment. To Eric in Charleston, South Carolina. Hello, Eric. Hello. And what's on your mind tonight, Eric?
9: I think your question is very intriguing and thinking about it. Uh, let me define my position in life. I'm 76 years old, retired naval officer, retired Westinghouse engineer, retired school counselor. So I've had three careers. Yeah. Um, the issue that you defined, I'm thinking, sounds like the end of capitalism and the need to be socialized.
1: Well, no, not necessarily. What, what of course, some people would still be working.
9: Well, that's, that's true. Some people would still be working. They'd be working for the government or private enterprise. Not necessarily. I mean, I mean,
1: no, I mean, you could be working for a private sector entity. In fact, uh, since the government uh, doesn't tend to get rid of bureaucrats, I think you'd be more likely to be working for a private sector company. You could be working for, for some, uh, some firm out there that suddenly one day says, uh, Hey, Eric, you've done a wonderful job here, but we don't need you anymore. We've found a cheaper way to do what you do. So, uh, Here's a little severance check that won't take you that far into uh, your retirement, and good luck. I could easily see that being more ascribable to uh, the private sector than the public sector, because the government doesn't tend to ever get rid of bureaucrats.
9: Uh, that's, that's not right. Uh, my military career, it's a very pyramidal, and if you don't promote, you get, you get laid off.
1: Well, at, at at the upper levels, yeah, but not at the lower levels necessarily.
9: Oh, no, you can't stay at the lower levels. You must advance. Well, but, but my down. point
1: still is that absolutely the private sector, if they can find a way to do what Eric does, and uh, as well or uh, or cheaper, then they'll do that.
9: Uh, yeah, I, I can see your point, yeah. uh, but. The, the um, Then you've got to get into the discussion, and I don't think we want to go there, of this. The government is printing all this money and spending all this money. It's robbing the private sector of that money. So the government's really controlling the economy and inflation, which it shouldn't. If, if you're a real well,
1: capitalist. the government is having an inordinate effect on the economy, and the government, of course, is pumping currency into the economy and uh making uh, inflation much worse than it uh, it would have been the government uh, we're not quite at the point where the government runs the economy but it has an inordinate effect i think on the uh on the economy and uh, that needs to stop and that's one thing that uh, hopefully will begin to bring about uh, come november anyway congratulations to your 3 careers eric my goodness uh that's uh, very impressive and thank you for your service to your country to uh, Jack in uh, Dallas. Hello, Jack. Well, uh, the government is having an effect. On you know, the I'm not sure what it is that we're hearing, but it, it doesn't sound to me like Jack in Dallas for some reason. is worse than a is there a human being on the other end of this call, or has has the caller Jack been replaced by artificial intelligence? Yeah. So the economy and, uh... I guess yeah. It's got to be AI but very artificial intelligence. Uh, Well, Jack, I guess uh, uh, you don't have anything to say to us. I'll give you one more chance to have something to say to us besides playing back uh, audio. Hello, Jack. Hi, Jack. Call dropped. All right, that's weird. All right, here's something that was uh, brought to our attention by a caller who for some reason didn't want to uh, go on the air. They may be able to recreate your voice, but what about your thought process your personality, the individual personality and your experiences in life. How does a computer recreate that? Uh, I think you may be selling uh, artificial intelligence short. Yeah, the voice is easy enough. Just a certain set of tones and uh, inflections and pauses. You can recreate a voice fairly easily. But uh, my thought process, I dare say it wouldn't be difficult to listen to this program, uh, say, for a few weeks and uh, come up with something that approximates my thought process and my personality, Uh, my experiences in life. They don't have to be legitimate. No, the uh, artificial intelligence could uh, simply uh, uh, make up experiences in life. And uh, my personality, well, that's a a combination of, uh, of things I say and how I say them. Uh, Again, I think you're underestimating the power of artificial intelligence, quite frankly. Uh, It might not be easy. It might not be an exact copy of me, but it would be, I suspect, for many people, uh, close enough. And that's the key. We are at that point of uh, automation, if you will. In the case of, uh, of a talk show host, I think that we could have probably done this years ago. And I hope that they they don't decide to do that. All right, more to come. We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, we have managed to establish contact with Jack in Dallas. Hello, Jack.
7: Oh yeah, Jim. Thanks. Yeah, sticks and stones sounds good. There you go. <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, this the the thing with your You know, the problem with this IT stuff. You want to answer for that. Joe Biden's got it for you. It's in his spending package.
3: <laughs>
7: uh, putting billions of, billions of dollars into this whole biomass or bio, biotech, all that kind of stuff, that's, you, the answer is in there. And those people think that they do have the formula for life. I mean, that's what one of the guys says. I forgot his name, but he says he can do that. They think they can do this and program, chip people, program them, and then you will you can have people doing jobs that they'd rather not be doing. And the big part about that is when you chip a person, then, you, again, you have your cyborg, and the your, your, the cyborg can pay taxes now.
1: Uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, who pays my income taxes? But I guess uh, the individual still would, assuming that you had control of the individual. Well, they're going to have to hold me down to give me that, I'll tell you that. All right. Thanks, Jack. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. By the way, if you missed any of tonight's show or would like to hear some of our previous shows, be sure to check out The Jim Bohannon Show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you look for a podcast. That'll wrap things up on a Friday evening. Thank you for being with us this evening. Uh, Alex Hinton is handling our engineering chores tonight, and uh, Tom DeLac is our producer. I'm Jim Bohannon, and of course we do come to you weeknights at Westwood One.
10: You listen.